Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come to God's word. That you'll speak through me today, that what I share will really speak into lives today. I pray that you'll come, Holy Spirit, and be glorified in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Some each making that noise. Oh, well. We'll move to plan B then. Okay. Amen. So, if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you'd like to turn to John 13, and uh, we're to read a few verses from John 13, we're to read verses 12 to 17, and uh, share a few thoughts around that this morning. So, John 13. And we'll get read it from verses 12 through to verse uh, 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so, that's my text for today. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And we're looking at a series just now with Jesus in the upper room and uh, looking at some of the things that the Lord Jesus spoke about uh, in these last uh, 24 hours uh, before he went to the cross and died. So he's got a lot to teach us and a lot to say to us. So I want to begin by reading a quote. Uh, Great leaders are surrounded by better. Early in my career, I was told by many others, hire people smarter than me. Like most advice I received at the time, I heard it, but didn't always put it into action. As I've grown in my leadership journey, this concept become more become one of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever received. And so did you get that? This guy's told, if you want to hire people, hire people that's better than you. And uh, I, I, I share that for two reasons. It's uh, a great principle if you're leading a ministry, if you're uh, uh, in business, there how you can upskill your business by doing uh, stuff like that. The second reason why I mentioned that point is it's a great lead into what I say, because knowing that fact didn't mean that the person did it. They just knew it. They didn't do it. And today is not just about knowing it. It's about doing it. And so knowing it has got to lead to doing it, and doing it, has got to, it will lead to blessing in our lives. We can be given the greatest advice in the world, but if we don't put it into practice, it will not do us a bit of good. So if you went to the doctor and says, doctor, I've not been well, uh, I'm not doing too well just now, I keep being sick, I'm not doing, doing very well, and the doctor says, well, you need a course of antibiotics. Here's a, a, a prescription, you go to the chemist, you get your antibiotics, and then you come home and say, that's fantastic. And then you just put your prescription on the, on the mantelpiece, or you put your, uh, um, your antibiotics on the mantelpiece and just leave them there and look at them every day. That's not going to make any difference to you. It's not going to make any difference. We've got to take on board that. If, you, if, you go, if you've got need of mental and emotional help, and we've people in church that, can, and that we can point to that can help, 
And uh, people are recommended to us, and, and, and you say, I'm really struggling. I've got too much anxiety in my life. And we say, well, here's somebody that we know could help you uh, with that. And you just don't follow that through. Then knowing that a piece of advice is not going to make any difference unless we actually do something uh, about that. Or if we're hungry, and you come in and, and you say to your parents, like, uh, I'm really, really hungry. I mean, if you've got teenagers, that's what they're always saying, like, and you think they've got hollow legs. But if they come in and say, I'm really, really, really hungry, and, uh, and you put out uh, mince and tatties in front of them, and, and they don't eat it, then you know that you're not really hungry, don't you? So you've got, you've got, to, you've, you've got to take on board the things that, that, that are there that's got to do us good. So today I want to look at two things. Knowing has to lead to doing, and blessing comes from, from doing, not just knowing. So knowing has to lead to doing. One of the first verses that I became aware of, that people used to pray, and they used to pray before they, they preached, and, and I heard people praying them at the prayer meeting, that, like, let's not just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. And that comes from the book of James, a very practical epistle in the New Testament. And James tells us that, he, he says, it's, if you hear God's Word and don't put it into practice, it's a bit like going and looking at a mirror. And you go and look in a mirror, and, and uh, let's say, you, man, you've just been shaving, and there's a bit of shaving foam, and, and, you, and then you just get distracted, and you go out, and the shaving foam's still sitting inside your face, and you go into your, your great meeting that you're going to have with your employees, and they don't hear a word you're saying, because they're looking at a shaving foam that's in your face. Or if or, or ladies, you're doing a lipstick, and it's, and it's uh, smudged, and it's, uh, it's, it's in the bottom of your nose, and uh, you go in for that, that uh, interview, job interview, and, uh, and you're going to be out in the public sphere, and, and you've looked in the mirror and seen that, and you've gone away because you've been so excited about it, uh, about the job, that you forget about that. And it's a bit like that. And the Bible's telling us that, that uh, we just don't need to, to, to look at the mirror, but we need to do what we see in the mirror. And God's Word's like a mirror, and we've got to listen to God's Word, read God's Word, and then apply what we've just read. And, and the sad thing is that throughout the, child, the history of the children of Israel, they've got a very poor track record in doing that. So when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they came into the desert, and God met with them at Mount Sinai, and He entered into covenant with them, He said to them, the, like, this is what I want to do for you. And uh, what's your response to that? Well, they said in Exodus 24, verse 7, we will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. So they were wholeheartedly saying, we're going to do this. So they hear what God says, and they say, we'll do it. We'll wholeheartedly do it. We'll do everything. But as you know, the promise was soon broken. Their words were short-lived. They, they, they made golden calves and said, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. They began complaining. They came to the edge of the promised land. God told them to go up. The land was theirs. They refused to go up. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan, and two of them came back with a positive report, said, we can do it. The other ten says, we can't. And so their history, sadly, wasn't one of obeying the Lord. It was one of disobeying the Lord. And this principle of knowing and doing, putting it into practice, is also mentioned there in the Sermon on the Mount where the Lord Jesus and His kingdom manifesto, because that's really what the Sermon on the Mount is, Jesus is setting out, this is how a kingdom person should live. And so, in Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, He teaches us that. And then at the end of chapter 7, He tells us a story that many of us will know, the story of the wise and the foolish builders. And He tells us basically that there's a wise man 
and he builds his house upon the rock. And the foolish man, he builds his house on sand. And the storms come, and guess what happens? The same storms come and hit both houses. And the storm that's built on the rock is the storm that stands and withstands the, 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 the storm. But the house that's built on sand collapses and falls. And this is what Jesus says. He says, it's the same with everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. They are like that wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, when I got saved and, and uh, I, I went along to church and uh, I actually thought that uh, the foundation that we built on was Jesus. Now, that's true. That's true. The foundation that we build our, our lives on is Jesus. But in this passage, Jesus is, himself is teaching us that the wise and the foolish builders is not about building your life on Jesus. It's about building your life on the words that Jesus says and putting them into practice. Because I've just read that for you. So let me just repeat again. Jesus is the foundation of all that we do. But in the story of the wise and the foolish builders, Jesus is saying the wise person is the person who hears God's Word and puts them into practice. And if we don't put God's Word into practice, we're like building our lives on sand. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying in this particular passage. And the storm comes. And when the storm comes, it shows whether we've built on rock or whether we've built on sand. Because the storm comes and the house that's built on sand collapses. But the house that's built on rock, the, the, the house that, that's built on God's Word, that takes God's Word and puts it into practice, is the house that will withstand the storms of life. And there's plenty storms of life at this moment in time. One of the old commentators says, True happiness consists in the knowledge of God and in obedience to Him. A man is not happy because he knows much, but because he receives much of the divine nature and is, in all his conduct, conformed to the divine will. So there's no separation between knowing and doing. Why do we always seem to think that we know best, even at times better than God Himself? Now, I know that if you're a new Christian, it takes time for you to trust this Word. But, but it's the same Word that by faith you come and you say, I want you, Lord, to come into my life because I messed up my life and I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life. Please come into my life and change my life. The same God that answered that prayer, that is that, that prayer that's based upon God's Word, is that same God who will honor His Word and make it true in your life. So when you take that step of faith and trust in Him, it's that same step of faith that you've got to take to believe in God's Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will live and abide forever. And it's sad. It's sad that people today think that God's Word has got to be a, set under what we believe as philosophies in our society. God's Word stands above all these things. His Word is above all these things that's going on in this, in this nation and, and in the world at this particular time. People think they know better than God in relation to creation, in relation to sexuality, in relation to identity, in relation to raising families, in relation to what we do with our finances. But nobody knows better than God Himself, the one who made the world, who made us, and, and, and knows the end from the beginning. Philosophies come and go. Uh, just up until fairly recently, the prevailing philosophy that we live through and, and, and my leadership in church here lived through that, that 
postmodernism that there was a prevailing wind that was blowing in our nature, in, in our nation. And, and you know, there was your truth and my truth and all that kind of stuff, and there's, there's no proper truth and all kinds of things. Postmodernism was a, was a prevailing wind that blew. And now today, the sociologists are telling us it's intersectionality. intersectionality. So things are changing in our nation at this moment in time. We're at that pivotal moment where, where we've, we've, we've cast adrift postmodernism. So all the people who followed that and thought that was a philosophy and was going to get them somewhere, they're now aligning themselves, with, and some of them actually don't know what the next wind that's going to blow is. But I'll tell you, if you build your life upon God's Word, Diane and I have sought to build our marriage on God's Word, raise our kids according to God's Word, deal with our finances according to God's Word. God's Word has been the bedrock of our lives. It's a thank God for it. We, we don't walk in darkness. We've got the light of life. It's forever settled in heaven. And Warren Wearsby said this. It's, Rick Warren, sorry. It's amazing to me that some people even try to blame God for the messes in their lives. So people follow the wrong pathway, get themselves into a mess, and then they say, God, why did I get into this mess when we do it ourselves? And he says, God's will never contradicts God's Word. That's a great principle. If God says it in His Word, then then we don't know better than God, that we've got to obey that. And he goes on to say, if God says don't do that in the Bible, He will never tell you yes through a feeling. It doesn't matter how good the feeling is. When you listen to your feelings instead of God's Word, you're walking straight into a trap. One of the most common excuses to justify a multitude of sins is, God wants me to be happy, and this will make me happy. But I want to tell you, friends, God wants us to be holy. That's what He wants. And the move of God that's going around our our world at this moment in time, people are saying, is a move again towards the holiness of God, which is quite remarkable. And it's really a lordship issue. If God says it, then, and he's my boss in my life, then I've got to do it. Because he's the boss. He's ultimately in charge. It's, it's, it's a lordship issue. And so, do you understand, Jesus says, what I've done for you? And, and what's he done? He's washed the feet of the disciples. People understand that. I'm reading Dr. Helen Roosevelt's book just now. I've just finished it, Digging Ditches. And, and uh, she says, we are to serve one another as he serves us. There was a job to be done. And she goes on and explains it and, and, and says that was true service. And, and, and she understands it. Are we willing to serve one another like that without discussing our merits or placing a social ladder or what esteem we will gain by doing it? True service does not count the cost. She imbibed that in her life. She understood it. People understood this. Jesus says, do you understand what I have done for you? He's saying, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to serve one another. And if nobody else is doing it, I want you to do it. doesn't matter who you are and what you do. It's your job to do it. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And then he says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. And so Jesus is not saying after this service today that we've all got to get a basin of water and wash each other's feet. Now, there might be a place and a time for doing something like that and, and some small fellowship groups and things like that. But really what he's saying here is we need to learn to serve people. And you can read about that in 1 Timothy 5, 9 to 10. And let me give you the message, a, a paraphrase 
of, of there where it mentions feet washing again. In the case of widows that are over 60 and, and then are put on the widow's list. And it says that the, one of the things they do is wash the feet of the saints. And the modern uh, paraphrase says they have a reputation for helping out. That's basically what it means. And so it, it, it's possible to do anything with the wrong attitude. But Jesus is challenging our attitude and our willingness to actually take the towel and wash each other's feet. And he says, no servant's greater than his master. And, and so he, he, he dignifies service. If you are involved in serving God, and really every single one of us ought to be involved in serving God according to the gifts and the talents that He's given us. And we should see the need and be willing to meet it. Whether, whether, whether God's calling us to work in children's work or working with toddlers or, or working in, in youth or, or, or serving at coffee morning or whatever it might be, that, that there's a call upon us to do something, a call to prayer. That, that, thank God for prayer. May was saying at the back today. May's 91, I think. And, and uh, she wanted to go to the children's uh, work this morning, see the kids that were there, so that she can pray more effectively for them. This is consistent New Testament teaching. And remember, Jesus himself also says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so the first point today is knowing leads to doing. The second point that I see here today from this is blessing comes from doing. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. What? Through the knowing? No, through the doing. So blessing comes from doing. And that passage earlier that I mentioned in James 1, where it speaks about looking into the mirror and going away and forgetting what you saw, it goes on to say there, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, that's the Bible, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. One of the translations says, West translation says, he shall be prospered spiritually. And so, so the I want to prosper spiritually. I want every one of us to prosper spiritually. I believe God wants every single one of us to prosper spiritually. It's not about happiness. It's about the blessing of God in our life. And I believe happiness is a byproduct of that. So he says, do you understand it? And, and, and the commentators would say, and I think we would agree with ourselves, that they didn't really understand it. Because up to that point in time, they were all about I, me, and myself, who's the greatest, and, and even got their mothers to go up and ask Jesus, can my, my son sit at your left hand and your right hand when you come in your kingdom? But, but, but they didn't seem to understand it. But Jesus says, if we do understand it and put it into practice, and that's what God has, I believe, saying to us today, when we understand His Word and put it into practice, that is where blessing comes from. Blessing comes from obedience. When we look back in Genesis, when God first made man, God promised to bless him. It says, he blessed him. Genesis 1, 28. And I believe Jesus' plan for every single one of our lives is not to be a killjoy, but to give us life. John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But the blessing comes from doing it God's way. It's not my way. It's not your way. It's got to be his way in our life. It's not getting our will done on, in heaven, but it's His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you wanted to look up your Bibles at Psalm 1 or do it later on in your own quiet time, then in Psalm 1, we, we get this statement, blessed is the man who. It's not just blessed is the man. It's a blessed is the man who. 
And then the Bible tells us as it walks through that psalm, two different types of people. The people who meditate on God's Word and follow God's Word, and the people who don't, the wicked. And, and how there's lasting joy and lasting blessing and fruitfulness for the person who follows God's will. They're like trees planted by water, but those who do not are like chaff that blows away. And so, again, you've got that place of stability that we've been speaking about in the wise and the foolish builders. And so, this man does certain things, or this woman does certain things, shuns certain things. In saying yes to things, we're saying closing the door to others. And if we're saying no to some things, we're saying yes to some other things in our life. And so, this person, if you like, they watch the company they keep and the influences in their lives. And there's things that they say no to. They delight in God's law, and they watch the company that they keep. And there's a consistency. They're doing it day and night. And, and it says, whatever they do, prospers. And that's what God wants us to do in our lives. In Proverbs, we see two ways contrasted. And the Bible tells us that, that there's a way that seems right on the man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And you see this pattern all through the Bible, how God wants to bless us, but we've got to do it His way. So, so this isn't some kind of prosperity gospel message that, 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 uh, that God wants to bless you and prosper you, irrespective of what happens, and if you send us your credit card details and stuff like that. Not at all. This is blessing comes to people who follow God's way, who do it God's way. In Deuteronomy 28, when God entered into covenant relationship with the people of Israel, He said, this is what I do. And Deuteronomy 28 is a great passage. Read it. Take a note to read it. And, and, and he, he says, if you follow my way, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed in your womb. You'll be blessed, blessed in, in, the, in, in the work of your hands. You'll, you'll, you'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed in your going. You'll be blessed in your coming. I'll make you the head and not the tail. One will put a thousand to flight. Two will put 10,000 to flight. And all of these blessings come from those who follow God and obey Him. But the opposite is true. He says, curses will come if you don't. So God really wants to bless His people. I despair at some of the ideologies and philosophies and some of the things that's going on in our nation at this time. And I think we're so into the wind and we're going to reap from the whirlwind. But blessing can come to nations. Blessing can come to individuals when we follow God's way. The Bible tells us righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach. And the Bible tells us blessed is the people of the nation whose God is the Lord. And we can look at nations or we can look at individuals. One of my favorite stories is the story of Isaac, Abraham's son, in Genesis 26. And the Bible tells us there was a famine in the land. And God told him to do a remarkable thing. He told them not to go where everybody else was going for food. He basically said to them, you stay in the land where I've told you to stay, and you sow in this land, and as a result of it, I will bless you. And then it tells us in Genesis 26 and verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed them. 
And if you like, it's a bit like today's society. We're living in days when our utilities bills are going up through the roof, when mortgage rates have risen again eh, as of last week, when inflation is now over 10% again and didn't come down as people expected to. And you go into the supermarket and you whatever you're buying, whether you're buying shampoo or butter or, or, or tomatoes, if you can get them, or whatever's going on eh, in our supermarkets at this moment in time, the, the, the prices are going up and up. And you might think, how am I going to survive in this particular economic climate? And I want to turn you to the promises of God, where God has promised to help us through these situations. If we put His principles into work, I believe God will help us. And the Bible tells us that, that year that Isaac planted crops, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because, 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 because the Lord blessed them. He obeyed, stayed in the land, even in a time of famine, and God blessed them. And it's exactly the same with Joseph. Joseph was a, was a great guy. He had a great dream as a young guy, but he was a bit premature, and he was a bit unwise. And, and when he told his brothers about that, and, and they decided to get rid of him, and they sold him into slavery, and he, and he became a slave to the captain of the, of the, of the prison guard, Pharaoh's household, and uh, Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife had a desire for him, and, and invited this young guy who was away from home, who could have been uh, yielded to temptation easily, and said to him, you come to bed with me, you come to bed with me. And he said, no, no, he refused. He says, I honor God. I fear my master. I fear God. I'm going to honor them. And he says, come on, come to bed with me, come to bed. And he refused. And because he refused, she was spurned, and she was annoyed. And what did she do? She blamed him for, for attempted rape. And, and, uh, and so he ends up in prison. And if, you, if I was him, I would be pretty mad. And I think you'd be pretty mad too that you do the right thing and you end up in prison. And where's blessing in that? Well, the Bible tells us that God was with him and the Lord was with him and the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord was with Joseph. And even in prison, God blessed them and prospered them until that day came when God was watching over all these things, saw how he behaved, saw the integrity they had, and then he had a job for him to do in a time of famine and, and took him from the, from the prison to the palace. Imagine, think about it. He had his breakfast in prison and he had his dinner in the palace. And God just turned that thing around in a moment. And that's a God that we have. I'm going to invite the band to come now. And one other area where I see God blessing in such a remarkable way, you can read it about it in Malachi chapter 3. And some of you will know that that's, a, that's, that's an area where God is speaking to His people about their giving. He's speaking to them about how they're living their lives at that particular time. They're questioning His love, Malachi 1 and 1. He ask, how have you loved us? They were giving them junk offerings. They were giving them blemished eh, eh, lambs and sacrifices to Him. And He challenged them about that. Their attitude stank. They're saying, what a burden to do these things. Their priests did not honor God, and their teaching was, was corrupt. There was idolatry. There was unfaithfulness in marriage. They were speaking evil of God. They were saying harsh things, and God challenged them. He challenged them about their giving. He says, you're robbing me. And, and let me just say, if you're a visitor here, just to let you know that we don't speak about money. We, we, we haven't taken an offering here in this church for two years. But there's a principle here in the, in the Old Testament, and the principle here in the Old Testament is, if we honor God with our giving, He promises to open up the windows of heaven. What a marvelous provision He's made. He says, don't rob me, honor me. And many of us, Diana and myself, all our married life, we've, we've operated on the principle of tithing, giving the first 10% of our income into the work of God in the local church and give our offerings above that. And God has blessed us, and He's blessed us as a church. As a church, we've double tithed plus 
For many, many years, 25% of our income has gone to mission for many, many years. And I believe that's why God, one of the reasons why God has blessed our church financially, helped us in many, many ways, because these principles work. God wants to bless us, but, but even in our, in our giving today, He might be challenging you. You're thinking, how am I going to manage? Well, God says, it, it, it might seem stupid to you. I was telling the first service, I was writing out my offering this morning, our offering this morning for Rock Nations. And uh, there's times in the past where God has, has, has asked us for that, investing in our young people, just give a little bit more. And I've written out a check, and I just felt the Lord says, like, that's not enough. And, and uh, so, so I, put, I wrote another check and, and, and put in more uh, this morning because, because I just felt that was what God was saying. And, 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 I, and I wrestled with that for a moment and then I thought but in a few moments I'm going to stand up before all of you and speak about blessing comes from obedience and here am I being thrown in my own mind this morning and, and, uh, and I yielded and did what God wanted me to do and I'll tell you friends we used to sing a song years ago you'll never never out love the Lord and I'll tell you something else you'll never never out give the Lord he's a, he's a faithful and a great God and so this morning two simple principles that it's, it's not just knowing it, it's in the doing of it. Jesus doesn't want us just to know things. He wants to do things. And the blessing comes to us, friends, when we do the things that He's asked us to do. It's just not knowing, but it's doing. And the blessing comes from doing, from the act of obedience. Maybe you're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus. That's the start of a journey of, of, of walking with Him, trusting Him, getting to know Him, putting His Word into practice, and, and it will be a life, I believe, of great blessing and purpose for you. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never given your life to Jesus, I invite you to do that today. Why don't you click online and say, I want to ask Jesus into my life today. And give us a note of your, of your details and we'll send you a Bible and things that will help you in your journey if you'd like to do that. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, let me just pray a prayer. Father, I pray that as Stephen said at, at, uh, at communion, Lord, I realize that you thought I was worth dying for and that I was worth it. And I'm sorry for the way I've lived my life and messed up my life. Please forgive me. Wipe my slate clean of all my sins. Help me to make a brand new start today. Please come into my life. I want to follow you and live for you. In your wonderful name. Amen. And just while every head's bowed and every eye closed, if you pray that prayer for the first time today and meant it, you just indicate that by lifting up your hand, they'll see your hand. We'll happily give you a Bible letter or some literature that will help you in your Christian journey. So for the rest of us, I wonder what Father God's saying to us today. I wonder what area of our life we know what we're not doing. And as a result, we're not getting the full blessing that He wants to give us. Lord, in these moments whether we're watching online or here in person, I pray that we will surrender to you completely 
and say, have your way, Lord. I want to love you, serve you, and follow you wholeheartedly. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch us afresh. Let this be a moment where we just surrender completely to you in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.